Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. Today in the studio. Hi, this is Rick Russo. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, it would be thrilling. Uh, also terrifying. Most writers don't spend their lives performing. They spend their lives writing. It's very intimate. It's very lonely. You get to sit there with your own thoughts, keeping your own counsel. And then you have to come out and actually perform the thing, which is kind of not what we're used to, but also thrilling. You can really hear what works. And sometimes you have regrets, <laughs> but uh, it's fun. This book wasn't so much written as collected in the sense that over the years, and some of these essays are fairly old, some of them go back a good decade or so, but writers get the opportunity every now and then to give talks. Most of the time when you have a book out, people ask you to read from the book. Other times people want what I guess is being referred to these days as value added. You've written this book or a bunch of books, but people want to know what's going on inside you. Why do you do these things? It's a fairly odd thing to do, to write a book. And they kind of want to know a little bit more about you, the writer. And so over the years, I have been writing these short essays to take on the road. And they've just accrued over the years. There's just been a, a process of accretion. Some have been like my Imagining Jenny essay in the book are very personal and arose out of a specific instance. Others are just things that I've been thinking about, pondering about, that give readers a little insight into the person who's been writing these crazy novels all these years. Narrating my audiobook was a lot of fun. I have done it before. My most recent previous experience was with my memoir, Elsewhere, which was because of the intimate nature of the story that I was telling of my mother's life, really, more than my own. That one was difficult because a lot of the material was so private and sending it out into the world was difficult. I found myself thinking at times, can I really do this? Should I really be doing this? I didn't have any of that angst with this book. But I was surprised time and time again at, at how moving some of it was and a little bit surprised by the fact that, you know, this is nonfiction. It's not storytelling in the sense that writing a novel or a, or a short story is. But nevertheless, it was surprisingly intimate. And I would find myself wondering, wow, did I, <laughs> did I really mean to reveal this to the world? So that's where most of the surprises were. It was just going back to material, some of it pretty old and and finding especially gratifying that some of it holds up pretty well. Well, I realized in the writing that I had trouble pronouncing the word demure, which I was doing as demure. It's demure. See, now I still can't do it. <laughs> so I guess we haven't solved the problem. Yeah, the word demure, which I have been pronouncing demure my entire life and mispronouncing on this book. I also discovered that I had trouble pronouncing the word destiny. You know, I still feel like when I say that word that I'm wearing dentures, which I'm not. I'm sure they're in my future, but I'm not wearing them yet. But still, when I try to say the word destiny, something clicks up there. And, you know, it's a problem I'd like to solve by the time I go on book tour, you know, so there's still time, but I don't know. <laughs> I was absolutely heartbroken to discover that in the last of these essays, The Boss in Bulgaria, 
What I had been so looking forward to was singing some Springsteen, only to discover that by some arcane copyright law, I'm able to say the words but not able to sing them. And I was just destroyed by that. I had been so looking forward to doing that. I, I also had a, a little one-liner from Bon Jovi that I was looking forward to. It's all for the best, I'm sure, but nevertheless, it was heartbreaking to know that I wasn't going to be able to sing Bruce, which I'd been really looking forward to. Who would I have record the book if it couldn't be me? Living or dead? Well, if it's living or dead, then I would bring my friend Paul Newman back to life. And I don't even have to speculate about what kind of job he would do because he brought Sully to life in Robert Benton's wonderful movie of Nobody's Fool and then came back and did the same thing years later with Max Roby in the HBO production of Empire Falls. And as Paul got older, his voice got deeper and more gravelly. And I just thought in his later career that more gravelly voice was really interesting. It suggested a lot about the life that he had lived, and it became so rich and so full of character. So, yeah. And I'd also bring him back to life just, for the again, for the pleasure of his company. My favorite library, of course, is the Gloversville Free Library, the library in the town where I grew up in upstate New York. Some of my fondest, earliest memories of the place were my mother taking me by the hand and walking me down to the library, which strangely enough was right across the street from a glove shop where my grandfather used to work. And I remember pausing outside the library with my mother, looking up at the fourth floor of this glove shop, which was where the glove cutters all worked, and knowing that that's where my beloved grandfather spent his Monday through Friday up there cutting gloves. And there was something about the fact that that was where he was, and it was right across the street from the library, most of the comfort of my young life was kind of knowing that, knowing where my grandfather was and knowing that he was close and safe. And then going into the library where my mother would patiently wait for me for, you know, a good hour to make my selections, you could take out, just imagine it, six books. They would allow you to take out six books. You didn't have to pay for them. I thought it was just the most remarkable thing in the world and kind of still do, <laughs> actually. And then years later, being left there alone, you know, to make my own decisions without any kind of supervision and realizing that if I snuck out of the kids' room and into the adults' room and over to the science fiction bookshelf that had rockets on the cover, which I was much taken with, and that I could go into the adult section of the library and no one, unlike in school, for instance, where they were trying to direct everything that I was reading and thinking, in the library, no one seemed to think it was odd that someone as young as I was was browsing around in the adult books, finding things in there, finding whole new worlds and trusting me, trusting me to make my own decisions. It remains you know, that library, which I've had a chance to go back and do some work for because it needed all kinds of repairs. And they had a massive fundraising scheme a few years ago where they tried to raise what seemed to me to be an astonishing amount of money for such a poor community. But boy, the community rose to the occasion. And my library, this beautiful place, this magical place of my childhood, it looked like it might be raised for a while, but it was saved by the hard work of people in the community. It's one of the great debts of my life, that place. I used to listen to audiobooks all the time. Whenever my wife and I, and sometimes our children, 
would go on vacation, we always had an audiobook in the car. And something has happened. Either we don't take as many vacations, <laughs> I guess could, could be part of it, but I don't read quite as many of them anymore. I used to find that there was a particular kind of book that I would love to take. I tended to not listen to books that I knew that I desperately wanted to read because reading for me is it's a very intimate experience. I don't necessarily want anyone else in the room or the car. I don't want to be interrupted. But I would find myself reading a particular kind of book. I remember reading or listening to all the John Mortimer Rumpole of the Bailey books. And my wife and I, I think, listened to all the Carl Hyacin books. So anything that was, you know, deeply entertaining, we would listen to those. They tended to have wonderful performers on them. It was a whole class of books that I wasn't sure that I would necessarily have read otherwise, but they were wonderful and they were particularly wonderful to listen to in a moving car. So wonderful, in fact, that we would famously miss our exits so that the trip down would take an extra hour and a half just because we were so enthralled with the reading of the book that we would miss multiple exits. And, you know, that was perhaps the best thing of all was that we never minded. We got there and we had a great experience on the way. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening.